You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacq line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacq uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit Tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes and use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your queue. Dry-aged steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence. An old-world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry-aging bags and casings allow you to create these meat-crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy-to-follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. Well, hey folks, beautiful afternoon folding into evening here in Michigan. I tell you what, we had a chill down and it was, things were cold, but now they're warming back up. I think we've got rain in the forecast, so whatever snow we had will be gone. Whatever ice that we had developed on those lakes will also be gone. So here we go, another couple weeks of nothing as far as ice fishing in the plans. But that's neither here nor there. Folks, I am joined tonight with some fellow Sportsman's Empire podcasters here. We have the hosts of the Ohio Outdoors podcast, also known as the O2 podcast, and uh, Paul being the host of the How to Hunt Turkey podcast. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. We got Andrew and we have Paul. Uh, Andrew, how are things looking in your neck of the woods is there snow in Ohio? Well, uh, at this moment, I think, well, Paul, what was it today? But Almost 60 degrees. The Almost 60. Out. Yeah. It's beautiful. It felt real nice. It felt like spring, and it's February 8th, and it's like, I don't trust it, right? It's uh, that false false hope, I think. But uh, Paul and I just live down the road from each other, and uh, central Ohio is is blah. I guess, but at least the sun's been out lately, so that really helps. The, the it's really it's really weird. I mean, I, I walked by my kitchen window the other day, and I stopped. I'm like, "What the hell's going on outside?" And, I, and, I, and I'm looking like out the window. I'm like, "Oh, the sun's out. That's the <laughs> that's the issue that caught my eye. The sun is out. So, yeah, that's what that's the point we're at. Giant orb that's like hurting <laughs> my eyes, but yet I feel good around it. Yes, that's yeah. it, man. We've, yep, we've had a it. pretty mild winter down here. I think what well we had the the Arctic blast there right at Christmas that was mm-hmm. cold and brought a little bit of snow, and maybe one or two other times. But really, I mean, we had a lot of rain in the forecast this week, and uh, it's mild. It's real mild right now. Yeah, that is. What has that done for 
either of yours winter pursuits. I know like small game has been kind of my only venture, which, you know, shoot now with all the kids into sports, like I, it's pretty much like one day of the weekend that I get to go run out in the woods with the dogs and maybe come across something. But like you said, it's just been this ook kind of weather. Even the squirrels are like, yeah, we're, we ain't going outside. Yeah. I So we had that just nasty, nasty, you know, 20 degrees below zero weather right at Christmas. It froze the ponds, the lakes, the rivers, the little creeks, everything. So when I, I and this is just an idiot's perspective, Nick, so uh, forgive me, this isn't science-based, but the, the the migration, the waterfowl migration for Central Ohio is not, it's not the best, right? I mean, there's a reason they call... Ohio, the the armpit of the flyways, right? So everything comes across uh, Lake Erie, and it just takes a hard westerly turn and heads to the Central Flyway or the Mississippi Flyway, and we get to, you know, we, we have some wood ducks. But it was especially bad this year for duck hunting because I think everything froze up. They What ducks that, that do come down, uh, you know, the central part of the state here just kept right on going. And uh, it, it, it made it difficult for, for a duck hunter here in Central Ohio, so... You know, there was there was some of that, but yeah, small game. I you know didn't kill any rabbits this year. I didn't do I didn't do a ton of that, but the duck hunting I was very upset about. So yeah, Nick, I don't know what do they say. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Like I have this great idea that I'm going to get out and try new things and do different stuff. Our bow season, uh, deer season, just ended a couple days ago, and uh, a lot of times I'm right to the last second trying to fill that buck tag but to this year i i was able to do that before thanksgiving so i thought oh great i'm gonna have all this time to to try other things and go with paul for some ducks and find some squirrels and this and that and you know it's it's the nature of the beast my real job is it really starts picking up after the first of the year i've had some other things pop up that have kept me from doing whatever paul is getting all giddy about turkey season coming and uh, i have to remind him that there is shed season uh that is going to be before the turkey season uh so i know we don't eat those but uh that's definitely on my radar as soon as i get past a couple things here absolutely hey participation trophies even though they do sit on your shelf they are fun <laughs> to look at yeah there's culinary value is very low in those but I'm glad that we've got one more like good intention, Adia, that you're going to be going for those sheds. I'll tell you. So Santa Claus brought uh, a bunny to my house this year, and uh, talk about they get ornery or whatever when their their teeth they need to gnaw and stuff. Well, I found pulled out one of my old sheds. So Oreo is making culinary value out of that old beat up shed I had. So oh, well, good for Oreo. Hey, good for you to be able to share your sheds. I know when my pups get, I have to be very choosy on which sheds my my pups chew on. Um, they haven't gone through the one that I donated to them, but it's definitely one of those, they keep eyeing the shelf, and I'm like, no, no, keep your paws off those. Those are those are my trophies there. Don't be messing with them. Yeah. So how about you, Paul? You said the, the ducks were kind of lackluster there, um, and and the ice isn't looking great as far as stepping on it. What's work been like for you? Has it really kind of pulled you away from the outdoors? Like here as sportsmen, this is also the one of those times a year where it's we do have to invite ourselves back to society, that we do have to go back to our job. How how have things looked for you this winter? Yeah, so I mean, in in terms of of what I do for a living, next week is the National Wild Turkey Federation's annual convention. So next week is my busiest week of the year professionally. This week is the second busiest week of the year for me. Uh, professionally so it it has it ha it, it definitely takes away and, and take away is the wrong the wrong word but it, it um you know, it impacts the time that, that that we have available and the bandwidth that that you know and we all go through that uh i don't mind it because it's you know i get to talk about turkey hunting which is pretty cool or you know wild turkey conservation work so i i do enjoy that but yeah um there, there are a lot of times, especially, you know, at the end of the year, you know, when it's normally good duck hunting here in Ohio, that, that I'm making calls and making visits to members and volunteers of the, of the Federation. So, yes, it definitely impacts it, uh, but I make up for it during turkey season. So it's uh, it all works out. Well, good. Well, good. Well, hey, speaking of those celebrations that we had early on this year, I know if you've tuned in to uh, – the O2 podcast, or if you'd even joined in during 
our uh, Sportsman's Empire deer camp episodes on how to hunt deer, uh, you can know that Andrew went through a roller coaster of a year uh, just with, with sightings and with close calls and just near misses and then no finds. And, man, you want you want something like straight out of Homer's Iliad or Homer's uh, Odyssey. Like that's what Andrew went through. So, Andrew, give us a quick like – bird's eye view of your big celebration getting your buck there at thanksgiving and tell us what was the celebration that you had with that deer did you make something from that deer yet or uh what was your big like yes we finally accomplished that and then how did you celebrate that well nick you're gonna hate me um let me just (laughs) we'll preface it with that uh i hunt to fill the freezer most of what we eat goes into ground grind, uh, ground meat. But leading up to that buck, I did have a roller coaster. And I think at that point I had three does, which is a good start to fill in the freezer. But I, I was able to, to get that buck. And when I hit him, I mean, I didn't tell anybody. I think I told my wife. I'm like, I'm not going to be in right away because something just happened. And I didn't even tell Paul until after I found him. Because I was that nervous that something was going to go wrong. I knew the arrow went right through, all that kind of stuff. But um, it just, I had had to sink in. So at that point in the year, I had told myself, like, once I got to three deer, the next one was going to go to farmers and hunters feeding the hungry. So try to to hold my word, right? That was, I was like, look, this is, uh, I... I got time to run it up to the butcher and drop it off. And so that's what I did with that buck. And uh, so somebody else is getting a good meal out of it. And I, I, I feel good about that. Um, it, it's it's a little bittersweet because it was like uh, that was my first buck with, an, with a bow. And I think I've been at it for 12 or 13 years now. Um, but, you know, that's that's where that ended up. Gotcha. Your celebration was donating that to other families who are in need, who need food, who need just a, a leg up and are going to a food pantry. That, sir, that is a, that's an applause. That is a wonderful way to handle that. I'm, I didn't, I didn't realize that, uh, that is what you did with that buck. That's, that's good on you. Good yeah. On oh, you, and- We've got a friend, uh, Justin Ross. He's he's a buddy of ours, and he's been on our show a few times. And he he runs that uh, for part part of the state, or is it the entire state, Paul? Um, the entire state. Yep. Here for for that organization, and so you know, leading up to it, it was like if I had the ab- ability, that's what we we're going to do with it. And um, Thanksgiving, uh, one of my other hobbies is kind of like you know fitness and exercise and diet and stuff. So trying to get people good f- protein source instead of some of the crap that comes off the shelves. I thought it was a it was a decent way to use that buck. So, well, that's an epic celebration. That's a wonderful story, Andrew. So to back up on that too, you did say that uh, your job is to fill the freezer, but that is that is on your own accord. You said that's as far as you normally go. Then the missus then takes back over uh, in the kitchen there preparing. She even prepares your, uh, your wild game. She's that adventurous. She'll take it on. Yeah. She's been a great sport with it all. And I mean, she eats it. The kids eat it. Everybody eats it. Um, let me think. We started processing our own deer. I think it was like 2020. It would have been 2020. It was when all the, you know, what was hitting the fan. So, uh, picked up a grinder, uh, started watching YouTube videos, sharp knives, all that kind of stuff. Um, we had just bought a house that had a like a barn attached, so it makes it really nice. You got a lot of space, a couple tables, all that kind of stuff. So, and she's in the physical um, therapy world. She loves the anatomy of different things. So she was right there with me, man. The first time, she's like, "Oh, I want to see that and see this different muscle groups and see how they all work together and stuff." And I'm like, "Let's just cut this thing up, right?" Um, but you know, basically, when we break a deer down, a lot of times we'll pull the rump roast out. And we do the back straps, tenderloins. Um, I'm trying trying to get that neck thing done. I still struggle with the neck thing. You and I have talked about that before. Uh, but a lot of it ends up in, in the grind pile because that's where we use it, right? Uh, we don't eat a lot of steaks or anything regardless of, of what they are. 
But when it comes to grinding, it's you know meatloaf and spaghetti sauce and tacos. It's all the stuff that you use. And having young kids, eight and six, like eating is a challenge for them. Period. And so anything Absolutely. that we can we can make work for that um, is has been good. Andrew, talk talk about your family's favorite meal from a deer. That's the celebration for your family. It is. I think it's tacos. I think probably. Uh, we have to what, listen to the. It's, but what kind of tacos? The heart tacos. Oh, oh, yes, yes. My, so my daughter, and she's so proud of this. When they ask your favorite food in, in class, and she tells people deer heart tacos, uh, and they all look at her funny. Um, but they do, man. They eat that up. And what was it, Paul? It was after your big big day yeah and uh, it was funny we're like oh i got a bag of hearts it was (laughs) a literal bag of hearts (laughs) it was a bag of hearts and those kids man they eat that up Uh, which is great great right right on them and it it took me a little a couple years to eat a heart but they were you know they whatever just go right with it when i i gave i gave i told annie she could have my bag of hearts and she was just like mr paul thank you (laughs) that was like the highlight for her so yeah, it was cool. I love it. I love it to be that. So you guys do keep heart. That was going to be a, a follow up question too. Like, yeah, you guys have now gotten to the point where you're butchering your own animals um, in your your uh, garage there, and you're doing the hearts. Like, I'm very impressed, Andrew. That's a long ways to be coming in just a short amount of time. I haven't jumped into the liver yet. Uh, maybe someday, right? I'm not even sure I've eaten normal liver, or whatever the old liver and onions plat platter but maybe someday i think uh this year i'm curious to your your uh idea on this historically i've always ground my meat with pork fat i don't know why i must have heard it somewhere along the way i had a guy last year tell me he's like well he uses beef fat and he said why would i mix a white meat with a red meat you know you take red meat fat and you mix it with red meat so it'll taste better i haven't tried any of it yet but um definitely looking forward to that yeah, I was. That's it's on the docket for a side by side comparison. I myself, same with you. I have gone with pork back fat specifically. Um, I don't go with a pork, um, like a pork butt or anything to try and get. I want to just just the fat so that I can use lean venison and uh, the pork. Pork is mild as far as flavor goes in the fat profile. So when you cook it, when you mix up your eighty twenty with your pork you're going to be tasting the venison. The venison is going to come out uh, as the stronger note, not the pork. Whereas it's the flip on beef, you're going to taste the beef. You're going to taste that beefy flavor. And that's going to, I mean, it's going to kind of challenge that venison flavor. It's going to taste more like a normal hamburger because you've got those beef notes from that. Whereas you're not going to get that on the pork side. So, no, both work out good. Some people they j- they can't handle the venison flavor as much, and they enjoy a straight beef hamburger. And so this is one way that they can use their their venison. But I'm with you. I go with the uh, the pork back fat. The back fat is nicer too because it really holds things together a little tighter than what the beef is going to do. So you're making your your meatballs, you're making your meatloaf. It's going to hold tighter. Um, for making sausage, I think it adheres better to the seasoning. I think you're going to get a better hold of that seasoning when it comes to a sausage. So, yeah, I'm well, like, glad I, to hear you're experimenting I'll, with that, too. I'll tell you, there is definitely a different consistency to the two fats, and I didn't even think that would be a thing, but there was. So we'll find out. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Paul, give us, a, give us an airplane's view of your season, and what is a meal – that that you would uh, call your celebration meal from this year? Yeah, so I haven't killed a deer since 2000, and I think 18 or 19, I think 18. And Nick, I killed three deer in 18 minutes this year on a on a on a gun hunt. Holy three, smokes. two. So it was it was on a wildlife refuge, it was a lottery hunt, a controlled hunt here in Ohio. It didn't count towards my state total. So if it was brown, it was down. It was a population hunt. I killed two bucks, killed a doe, big doe. Shot a fourth, couldn't find her, tracked her all over uh, the wildlife refuge, and then shot at a fifth. I was feeling a little confident and uh, clean miss. So 
three deer. Andrew and I had to drag three deer out of the woods uh, that day. He he was he was with me. So that was a ton of fun. You can you know if if you want you can listen to that episode where I go into the nitty gritty of that of that hunt. It was pretty neat. But so for me, I had I had really burned myself out on deer hunting, and I just didn't I didn't I didn't like it anymore. And you know, doing this podcast and, and and really becoming friends with Andrew, he kind of ignited that that passion to to get out there and try to deer hunt again. And so, I didn't, um, I didn't, I don't process my process my own deer. I'm gonna have to ease myself into that. So, but I love to cook. So, so I did. I had I had them processed, and I mean, it was within two days I had that deer back. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. Um, that's just how it worked out. Uh, two or three days, three days max. And so the first, I mean, tenderloin, that was, you know, the back straps rather, that was the first thing that, that, that we did. And I, I have a, I have a, like a smoker that I use. I've got a gas grill that I use. I love to cook with, with live fire. So I, I, I use my, I use my smoker is, is more of like, uh, like an Argentinian style, like live fire pit more than I use it as an actual smoker. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that, so that's what I did. The, the, the back straps, those were the first celebration meal. I mean, pretty, pretty simple, man. Little, you know, kosher salt, let it sit. I, I, so one of the things that I do, if I, if I find a bunch of mushrooms, I'll eat them until my belly hurts, you know, in the spring, morel mushrooms, whatever's left, I'll dry them out. And then I grind them up and I mix them with peppercorns. And so that I have that kind of that woodsy earthy morel flavor, throughout the year. So just dry them out. So that's, so that's what I do with, with all of my steaks, deer or the like, uh, kosher salt, and then the morel mushroom pepper, peppercorn grind. So that's what went on those. Nice. And they were, yeah, oh man, they were fantastic. And that, that, that was, that was a victory meal right there. So the, the big, the big kind of celebration meal for, for me with, um, every year we host, uh, Christmas. And so I, I love, I always say this, the poor people cuts of beef, you know, so like London broil, I love them. I mean, if you do that thing right, it is just uh, a great flavor. And same thing, I do it, I do it on open fire. And so so this year we had about 20 people at our house for Christmas. I did like four or five London broils, and then I had this huge backstrap off of this really big dough that I had shot. And same thing, I, I, I reverse seared everything, and... There was a ton of the London broil left over. People gobbled up the venison. I mean, I same you know prepared them the same way. Nothing crazy. I had a nice chimichurri, homemade chimichurri uh, sauce there, and you know just some really good horseradish sauce. And man, it was it was a great meal. So that made me feel good. That, you know, because you know you never know. Like people that don't hunt, like my sister in law was like, "I'm not eating that." I'm like, "You're you're trying that right now." And she and she ate it. And was like, "This is amazing." I'm like, "I told you, it's 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 good stuff." So yeah, that was that was kind of the overview. But I love love to cook with open fire. That's that's my preferred method for for meat. Yes, and especially now that uh, the assault stove is uh, now under fire, be it the gas. Like we got to get back outside, use the gas outside, use the charcoal. If they're gonna break, <laughs> bust in and try to take our natural gas, we got to be able to handle it and uh, go with the uh, the charcoal or the yeah, like you said, yeah. like the full down, bake down live fire. Yeah. We've talked chimichurri before. Uh, elsewhere, are you a blender chimichurri guy? Do you blend yours, or do you Don't, go with a no. rough chop? No, I like the rough chop. Now, I've I've had both. I was in Bozeman uh, over the over the winter, right before Christmas, and and you know the, everyone says that's kind of like the when you think of good steaks, you know Montana pops into a lot of people's minds. And I went I went to a really nice steakhouse, and they brought me a blended chimichurri with this beautiful steak. And I looked at this and I'm like, this is a disservice to the steak. Uh, but it was fantastic. It really tasted good. I didn't, I didn't care for the texture. And you know, a lot of people do me personally. I like the chunky chimichurri with the little chili peppers, you know, diced up, you know, minced up. I, and I, I like, I like a lot of garlic in there. Uh, I'll use red pepper flakes if I can't, you know, the good coarse kosher salt, uh, in there and, and good olive oil. But yeah, I, I like it. I like it thick. I like it chunky for sure. Good deal. Good deal. I didn't realize that there was a big, uh, like standoff with that on that methodology, whether it's gets blended because yeah. people are like, no, this should be quick. It's a quick one. And then you have like true, 
I think it's Argentinians that are like, yes. no, no, you only hand chop it. Um, it's a pro- it is I, a process. I mean, because if you've got if you're serving a large amount of people, I mean, it's like five or six bunches of parsley, and that doesn't sound a lot. But that is an hour of just standing there because I don't like the stems in it, so I got to pull everything off and chop it. It's an it's an ordeal. It yes. really is, but it's totally worth it. Gotcha. I don't even Do know what you guys know are talking, talking about. about, Andrew. No, <laughs> no, I I ate a chimichanga once. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> You've had you've had the chimichurri at my house before, haven't you? The green stuff that that you, you taste it and you just you're like, what is this? I want more of this. That's that's the chimichurri that I make. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I we'll have to do it. I'll bring you over. We'll we'll, we'll fire up some some backstraps and we'll get after it. So I just eat meat. There you go. <laughs> just go straight straight meat. Yeah, I did love how you said that uh, you enjoy a harder worked muscle. Um, you mentioned specifically the London broil. Um, that whole methodology too, like I, cause we were, we went out to dinner, um, with my wife and, uh, and friends of ours and, uh, one of them got filet and they were just raving on, it was a piece of beef filet and they were, they were enjoying the steak and they said, Hey, you should try some of this. And so I did try, try one. And it was one of those things like I haven't had filet in years and to just, to go from when I do cook a beef steak, it's usually going to be a ribeye. It's usually going to be like a piece of the sirloin or the chuck. Um, it's going to be something that's going to have some work to it, um, more so than the filet. So when I tasted it, I tasted all the seasonings, but I never tasted any of the beef. And like when you said with that London broil, like you want to talk about real flavor of the animal. The further you get away from the head and the hoof, yeah, you're going to add tenderization but you're going to lose flavor. And so those harder worked muscles, especially stuff up up front in that uh, that shoulder clod, yeah, you're going to find that you're going to really taste that animal because that's the work that's going into it. So I was I was glad to hear that you were saying that you yeah, enjoyed that London broil. Well, yeah, that's that's my that's without a doubt my favorite cut of beef, for sure. And I had some people that, that like you said that might be a, a crazy statement, but I really enjoy that. You ever cut it up into cube steaks? Do like a Salisbury? You know, I have, yeah. So I, I've done stroganoff with with uh, cubed up London broil. That's that's probably my favorite. Um, you know, non grilled, you know, fire version for that is is a good homemade beef stroganoff. So real fatty, fatty stroganoff. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've been going on some tangents here, and so what I want to do is kind of stay on that thing and. Um, you know, we were talking earlier with Andrew about the uh, the road paved with with good intentions. Here's some more that I want to add to our our paved pavement here. What are some things that you've seen and heard and witnessed that you're like, that is something I want to try this year with a piece of my venison with a with a turkey that I got earlier. What is something that you're looking forward to trying out and being like, you know what, that's something I want to do. Mine's mine's easy for me. I I want to do a crown roast off of a deer or an elk, something. I love the presentation. I love the idea of you know wrapping those bones in in foil so that you've got just that sizzling crispy piece of meat, and you pull that foil off, and you get this white bone and the contrast between the two. Yeah, I want to I want to live fire just the biggest crown roast that I can get my hands on. Excellent. Well. And it, you took it to the butcher, though, and you got back boneless meat. Darn. I did, yes. I know. I need to, you know, I'll kill three more deer, Nick, and uh, and then you'll have to FaceTime me and we'll walk me through how to how to cut up a, a crown roast. Next year, Paul. Next year. Next year. <laughs> yes, hey, next that's year. the thing. Anything you wanted to try that was new, and this is it. So, yeah. Now, yeah. That's the beautiful thing about uh, hunting. There's always next that's year. That's it. Yeah. I, I, had to, I had to throw that in there, Nick. Yeah, on our show, was it this week? He made some comment about shooting deer at night and it was not that he's gonna do it but we had to like time out okay just to clarify <laughs> there's no shooting deer at night so just to clarify paul is not gonna shoot any deer no. more deer in ohio this year right until we get to next season yeah right? deer season is done here for 20 uh for this for the winter so yes no more killing deer until uh at least september gotcha gotcha well you do i mean if it get, we get another cold snap you know you could always look alongside the road I just had my first pickup so of, a, of a road deer here, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, 
Yeah, Pennsylvania. Oh, what's our Pennsylvania guy's name? I forget his Mitch. name. Mitch. Mitch. Mitch gave me such a hard time, and I didn't have my phone with me. I wanted to call up Mitch and be like, Mitch, I'm alongside the road right now picking up a doe. What what part do you want to keep? What part do I send to you, man? Yeah. He was giving me such a hard time about that. That's funny. How how was gutting that thing? Was she was she banged up pretty bad or was it was it okay? You know, um normally I go with a gutless method. Um if I don't have a lot of intel. Uh I approach it with my very like a very acute redneck CSI uh mindset you have to establish like okay where did she get hit where did it get hit um what does the gut feel like how long has this been here and if you can start checking off some boxes that things are going in the right direction like that that makes it liable for like okay let's let's gut her up it looks like she broke her neck and uh we're gonna go with a gut job on this i have a kiddie pool that is just for uh this uh this surprise because if I do open it up and it's just a mess, I don't want that all over my concrete and my uh, my garage. So I opened it up and it was real clean. Nothing had burst. But as I was pulling, I noticed that there was a larger section. There was like a an enhanced uh, organ that I didn't wasn't sure what was going on. So I, I continued to pull and pull, and I found like there's this like sack. And this sack had uh, fluid all in it. I'm like, do not pop this. I don't know if it's uh, the, I don't know if it's like full of urine or, or what we're dealing with. So don't mess with this. And as I pulled a little further, a tiny little face went to the side of that uh, that uh, organ there, and it was a uh, it was a baby deer. It was a a fetus that was inside this thing. And I tell you what. You want to take some like a little bit of shock value and a little bit of like stand back and kind of like reestablish yourself as a person. Like, granted, I didn't shoot this animal; I picked it off the side of the road. But to find a pregnant doe and have it be that far along, like I know I threw the gut uh, into the composter just on the top, but I took I took the little guy and I actually went off and buried him because I did. I was I felt I felt just you know like I, I don't know how I felt about it. Just kind of. It kind of shook yeah. me there. Took Life's me fragile, man. Yeah. It is. Life's and that was fragile. one of the things I, I came across. Life is so fragile and how that little guy didn't even have a chance. But at the same time, how far along that little fetus was and to know that there's possibly hundreds more in the area and to just get to know, like, like it's developing great. I bet you we've got a, I've got a healthy – Healthy drop of fawns this year, just judging by what I saw there. So that was the the takeaway. If I were to look at it from a purely analytical, you know, scientific aspect, like, hey, this was a good window into the development of where where our rut has gone, uh, how things are developing along, and when when to expect uh, fawns. But yeah, man, I it takes a lot to to pull up my my heartstrings, especially when I'm like, Hey, food is, is on the table here. We're talking meat. Like that was a real diverter there looking at that. It's so, a, yeah, that was my surprise. I'll tell you, I had a doe that I took this year. And when I, when I was gotten her and everything, I noticed the front kind of brisket area, a little, little watery, you know, Paul, we went through our little talk, kind of like the booby area, but, um, I was hoping that the blood was kind of rushing that that direction, and when I got her home and I started, you know, skinning her and everything, I realized that something really wasn't right there. So kind of like on your, what is this organ that's in here type of thing? That can really throw you a, a curveball when you're when you're trying to to gut the deer or, or you know break the deer down. And I think what she ended up having was like what do they call it, hydrocyst or something. It basically was like uh, a lot of fluid in there. It was pretty clear. It wasn't you know, pussing yellow or, you know, black or anything like that. So I don't know if she got caught on a, you know, either shot in, in, in the past or whatever. Uh, but that definitely threw a screwball in, in that deer. And I remember, I was I think I was texting you about it because I'm like, do I eat this or what do I do with this? And you're like, you need to err on the side of caution. Just let right. that be. So. Your nose knows. And, uh, yeah, cut away what you can on, on something like that. No, that is, yeah, because these critters go through so much and you, you know, 
you put a shot on one, and if it hits it up there, yeah, they get this like a water cyst, like you said. Probably didn't really affect too much, but yeah, erring on the side of caution, especially on the the eating side of it. Good, good on you for there. But yeah, Andrew, what are you going to try new this year? Well, for me at this point, I'm kind of past stuff. This ground is ground. The roast is the roast. You know, the back straps are all there. Um, I haven't really thought of anything crazy. Paul, I, your crown roast, is that with the ribs? Yes. Okay. Someday, Nick, I want to figure out how to cook the ribs. I've tried it before with a smoker. Uh, it didn't taste right, <laughs> uh, so I did something wrong. So I need to, next year, this upcoming season, figure out a way to figure how to how to cook those whether i I don't know i've talked to people you first put it in the oven first you put it in the crock pot then you put in the smoker and then the grill whatever i just got to get that figured out um because i think once i can figure that out it would be another because that's the one thing when i'm breaking them down i always feel so wasteful on those ribs and i know there's something you can do with them but a lot of times you know i try to take these doughs early in the year uh it, it it just time is of the essence and it's like how much freezer space is in there I need to cut this stuff out. What am I going to do with it? I, it's 70 degrees outside, and I end up throwing it away or feeding it to the dog or whatever. But that would be something to do with with the ribs at some point would be ideal. Good, good. Yes, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That was a cut that I I did. I took as a, a personal, um, I don't want to say vendetta, but like personal, like motivated, yeah, very motivated. Like I'm going to figure this one out and yeah where it whether it goes into sausage and burger um the way i've what the way i approach the bones is differently than just kind of keeping them in there's a lot of times where i'll do is i'll sheet out uh the whole rack and just leave the meat in one sheet and then i end up rolling that tying that up and then cooking it more or less like a um basically a roll up like you would you uh, butterfly out a back strap and then roll it back up with filling I do the same thing with a rib, but at this point, you add more of a moist heat to it, render out a lot of the the fat that you don't want to have in there, and then come back with a high heat. Um, but yeah, at the same time, to do like a slow braise on the meat with them with the bones in there, and then to go over to a grill, like it is totally possible, but it's going to take some playing. So being able to to get your ribs and then to get them into a spot where you can say, okay, they do have room here in the freezer, give it a shot. Hey, if you mess up, Fido ain't gonna care. He's gonna be all over those next time as well. So he'll he'll let you try it as long as he gets to taste, you know, the mishaps on the end. Right. Absolutely. Well, good deal. Let me see if I can't uh, cue up our intro here. But we have come to the crescendo of our show. We have come to this emperor's table where we are going to be doing a potluck with the Sportsman's Empire. Okay, this is it. Steaks cooked medium rare. Can I get my steak cooked? That want no question. You hungry? Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? We're Tim DeMucci and Skewer DeMucci. Come on, get it! So the scenario is... That was we are getting together. I didn't hear any of it. So I didn't hear it. I couldn't hear any of it. No, I couldn't hear any of it. I was just watching your faces and and living vicariously through you two. Oh, well, good. Well, good. You'll see it when it launches. Oh, I can't wait. You'll be so perfect. So what we've got, the scenario is, is that we are having a Sportsman's Empire potluck. We are getting together, um, and this is all kind of like in uh, the hot, like the uh, the ideal state. We don't actually don't have a date yet set for this, but I am putting together the menu vicariously through you guys. And so the idea is, is when you come to this potluck, you will be bringing a dish that you want to give uh, the other hosts of that uh that potluck, just the utmost respect for you culinarily and also as a hunter. So I want you to be able to display your work there, but at the same time make it very much about you and who you are. And so 
what I'm going to do is offer it up to you, and you're going to tell me about a dish that you're going to make or that you're going to bring that's going to represent you at this table. And so, Andrew, uh, the coin flip has gone to you. You've won the coin toss. So you can either start now or you can defer to Paul. I'm going to go ahead and defer. All right. Uh, this is the second half. This is easy. This is easy for me. I am going to bring a citrus brined smoked wild turkey. That's what I'm going to bring. Ooh. I'm going to spatchcock that sucker. I'm going to smoke it with a real, real mellow wood. Nothing crazy. Not over smoke it. No seasoning. No seasoning other than salt and pepper. And then I'm going to base that sucker with honey and butter for about three hours. That's what I'm going to do. Nice little crisp on the skin. Oh yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going to bring. Starts to crisp up a little bit mm, that's it that's what i'm bringing months what are you bringing don't whoa, whoa, say no no we're, don't not, we're say. not jumping yet we've got we've got oh, questions okay. here. <laughs> all um, right bird uh it's is this plucked or skinned uh i pluck every every turkey that i do that i shoot i take you do the pluck. i do yeah i take the time it's a pain I like the skin. I like the the added benefit of it. If in you you can skin a turkey, you can skin a wild turkey and still have a moist a moist bird. The one thing that I want to you know to your listeners, do yourself a favor and 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 and, and use the whole turkey. Don't just breast it out like people do. Uh, there is so much good meat. Don't listen to that old adage that the legs are tough. They're you know they're not. No, they're delicious. That's what legs are. And you don't have to throw them in a crock pot for 15 hours, which is like the popular thing uh, on social media now. You don't have to do it. Stop it. Brine that sucker. Cook it on a smoker. Roast it. Take the time. Don't put it in one of those bags, Nick. I don't want to see that crap either. Just take the time. Get you a nice good roasting pan. You know, base it every once in a while. You're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna have a treat. You're gonna have a treat. So yes, I pluck every bird and I use every every ounce of it as I can. Not for some, you know, pseudo religious reason, but because it's good, right? It's tasty. Don't short don't good short change yourself. Oh, Paul, I'm just <laughs> I'm on cloud nine over here. I feel like let's just wrap it up, folks. Sorry, Andrew. The show's over. We'll talk to you later. No, I'm joking. We won't. <laughs> but. Oh, I just love to hear that you you said that. Like, hey, we want to use as much of this bird as possible. Yeah. I'm going to go to the the extent of plucking it. Um, and that is that it is a it's a tedious job, but at the same time, shoot, how many hours did you just spend hunting that turkey down? Like, yeah. what's one more hour that yeah. you're spending with this beautiful animal that you are now turning turning into food? Yeah. Um, with my farmed raised turkeys, what I've also find too is I'll go. When I put it in the roaster, I'll go actually go breast side down. So I mm. flip the bird. So I do everything that you would be doing as well. Um, but yeah, as someone who's looking to to push themselves culinarily, have you tried flipping your bird, putting your your breast side down? It does ruin mm. your presentation. Might I add, you skin but, skin kind of curls up. It's not as as crispy. Correct. Correct. Okay. But the added benefit of that is that you do give yourself a little more window room at keeping the uh, the white meat to keep the breast moist. Okay. But at the same time, it puts those thighs that need that little extra heat and a little mm. extra time, it puts them up facing your cooker uh, a little bit closer so then they, they finish a little closer together. Yeah. Do I still so, feel that maybe taking that bird and treating white meat, dark meat separately is a good thing? It is. But like, where you, if you're bringing this th- to the potluck, you want to do the whole presentation thing. So, yeah, one that of the, would just be one of the things that I've started doing, and and I don't know if this is cheating. I like that idea. I'm definitely going to try that this year. Uh, is I've started spatchcocking turkeys, kind of for the one the presentation if it's i mean it, i think it's stunning i really do a spatchcock turkey looks really good and i like that like you said the dark meat cooks almost on a more even temp because that's the battle you know especially if you're using if you're using fire can, can you clarify for the idiot on the call what yeah. spatchcocking means so you cut the spine of a, of a bird out either a, either a, a turkey or or a chicken cut the spine right out you go to so go to Lowe's months. Yeah. You get a ten dollar pair of cobalt scissors. The real big, the real big ones are like size of a football. Cut right through it. 
Yep. Cut the spine down, and 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 you just kind of just lay it flat. Don't throw the spine away. Make a gravy out of that. Boil. Amen. It. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, has I thought there was something wrong when you did the timeout. <laughs> yeah, he's like, wait a minute, what are we talking about here? Yeah. yeah All so. I know is right now I'm really, I'm really uh, regretting my defer uh, play because <laughs> when my time comes, this is not anywhere going to be close to what you guys are talking. Oh, about. it's all good. Just, just say, just say, uh, say polar bear meatballs. That's what you're going to bring. Oh, yeah. You're going to legally right harvest a polar bear. Right here at night and whatever else we were talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're going to harvest a polar bear at night. <laughs> well, no, because this is what I wanted to do with this is, yeah, like, you know what? Paul's coming. He's coming from left field. He's coming from already loving the food world. And what the Emperor's Table is all about is we're coming together as, you know, not, I mean, we're presenting not only what we've harvested, but a little bit of who we are. And so, Andrew like your chance to highlight a meal that can not only be served to adults, but can be served to kids who love and adore venison. Like what's a dish? Like we've already mentioned the heart tacos. So not to say that that's off the table. If you need to throw that on, that is your, uh, that is part of your deferment. You could throw those out and we can talk about those, but the same, they time, were delicious. Like, they yeah. were fantastic. They really, they really were. But if you're going to bring a dish that's like, hey, this represents our household, what's that dish going to be? I think you're overestimating my culinary skills. Uh, So on our show, right, Paul is kind of the turkey man. My thing is more on on the deer. So it would be right for me to bring a deer venison based meal to the table. Mm -hmm. However, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Ooh, I like it. Something that we figured out how to do at our house over the last year or two. And Paul's part of this. Oh, I know what he's uh, going to say. Oh, yeah. We went on a couple uh, walleye charters last year. So we brought that back and did a couple of nice big fish fries. And, man, it's hard to beat. And everybody eats it, yeah. and it's good. And with good batter, and don't ask me what kind of batter it is, and when Paul makes the... The um, tartar sauce. tartar sauce. Ooh, ooh, buddy, it's that a good, good combo. Stuff. Yeah, that you, the the breading that, that your wife made is fantastic, and and you you did a really nice job cooking it several times. That's so yeah. That's that's a good that's a good one. That's a good dish right there. And the dog always tries to lick the grease off <laughs> the side of the pot every time. He's just gonna I just take it off. The, I just start laughing. He's just like. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> Just every time we he'll do be it. back to do it again. Every He's going to be back. Yeah. <laughs> he got really sick. He dr- ended up getting into that pot oh, after God. I'd like let it cool afterwards, and uh, he got into. I was like, no, and just ended up all over the living room floor. It was gross, but oh, oh no. Man. But the walleye, that's that is a and and you know I don't know where whereabouts you are in Michigan, but that is a delicacy of of midwest proportions great lakes specifically the ones that don't aren't full of weights and stuff in their bellies uh (laughs) yeah lead free lead free walleye lead free walleye absolutely (laughs) keep the yeah two fillets not the extras that are shoved down its throat as well so if i had to bring a venison dish though um, and you have to remember, I've been known to cook steak in a skillet uh, because I'm usually just hungry and I just want to eat something. Uh, but when I we take the time to do it right, uh, my wife will make, um, I think it's like olive oil. I want to say lemon juice. Usually there's some bay leaves in there, probably garlic. Uh, it's this kind of whatever that you put on top. Mushrooms, mushrooms, the mushrooms that go on top. Uh, we do the venison out on the grill. Kick it, cook it up to about 129, 130, let it rest for a minute. It's perfect, comes in. Um, she does these little potatoes and like uh, she takes a uh, cupcake sheet and then does these sliced potatoes in there with like Parmesan cheese and stuff on top of it. It's very good. It so that really would probably good. be my, my dish if I had to pick one of, from the venison side. But. I love it. I love it. He brought both a fish and a venny to to the the thing hey he's going for the quantity you know and just hoping that the quality is there i like it andrew lancy and air man you got lancy and air out of the two of us there you go i love it (laughs) i love it well gentlemen here i'm gonna i'll pass it to let's go andrew here andrew where can we hear 
more about you guys. I know you're on Sportsman's Nation, uh, excuse me, Sportsman's Empire, um, on the O2 podcast, but where can we find you uh, to follow along on the social medias? So our, our platform of choice is probably Go Wild, um, and we'll be O2 podcast on there. We do do the Instagram stuff, so it's the.o2.podcast uh, on that. And then what else, Paul? We got uh, the website is the02podcast.com. So there's some stuff on there, but uh, you know, between those two things, you can find us. We are on Sportsman's Empire, and so I'm sure if you find Nick's show, you can find us one way or the other. But yeah, yeah. What day do you guys launch? Wednesdays. You guys are the the Wednesdays, right in the middle of the week. Get yep. you through the hump day. There <laughs> you go. And then Paul, your extra curricular is you're also the host of the How to Hunt Turkey podcast. That's also on Sportsman's Empire, correct? It is, yeah. So the so the How to Hunt Turkey podcast that goes live every Tuesday. Uh, you can find it. The social pages are uh, Go Wild. It's just H two H T How to Hunt Turkeys uh, podcast, and then Instagram, same thing. H two H T podcast uh, is is where you can find that uh, on on Instagram as well. So. Yeah, cool, 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 cool show. I love doing it. I love talking about wild turkeys. We're going to talk a lot about, uh, you know, it's 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 obviously it's geared towards people that are are just getting into the pursuit, or people that have done it. You know, want to want to become better. So we're going to talk about you know what to do with a wild turkey after you kill it. You know how to dress it, how to gut it, clean it, all those things, how to prepare it. Uh, you know, for for the for you know the the best way possible. So yeah, a lot of options for wild turkey. So the other thing. Uh, is is I want to get you on that show. I want to I want to see I want to see what what culinary tricks you have up your sleeve for 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 the the feathered birds here. So, well, good good. I've only grown up with them things in, on the farm side of it. So, hey, I figure it's a it's like translating from French to Spanish. You know, there's going to be some hiccups, but as long as you understand the uh, what is it the tenses, you should yeah. be golden. So, if I got my tenses out. Go ahead and put just that. Sweet, put that wild. Sweet on pamplemousse. Just sweet on pamplemousse. Just sweet on pamplemousse. Oh, there you go. Now you're actually dropping. Yeah. Uh, Let me grammar. <laughs> no Those idea. are the stupid things that I remember from high school. It was like, uh, I am a grapefruit and uh, raise your head up, Grandma. So there you go. <laughs> raise your you head up, Grandma. Raise your and head the teacher up. Looking at us like, oh, I hate you man. guys so much. And here we are. Well, hold on just a second, gentlemen. I'm going to send our listeners on out. Folks, I hope you enjoyed our second segment here of the Emperor's Table, where we got a chance to highlight uh, the guys that I hang out with from Sportsman's Empire. Um, We just get a glimpse of who they are as guys and gals and who they are able, like what they chase, what what makes them passionate about the outdoors and how they're able to present that at the table. So, folks, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to join along uh, with us creating new and adventurous things, make sure that you got uh, some of that venison or some of that turkey in your freezer. And whatever you're going to use to cut that, make sure that that knife is sharp. 